0: Hi, welcome to broadcast number 37 what I have learned in one year of intermittent fasting now at the time of this recording uh, it is December 23rd and I know there is not a good time to go live on the weekend before Christmas so um, if you're not catching this live that's okay you have a lot of places um, to find me later so you can always um, go to my donna and and uh, find all of my broadcasts there. You can also find them on YouTube. You can subscribe in iTunes because this will become a podcast as well. And so, or you can be in my group, Donna's Intermittent Fasting Group, and see me live or else watch the recording later. So lots of places to catch it if you're not catching it live. So um, I have all of those links there for you where you can find um, me teaching this topic. So last week in broadcast number 36, I talked about Um, some of the things that I have learned in my one year of intermittent fasting. So just kind of to bring you up to date on uh, those of you, maybe he did not see Broadcast 36. I'll tell you a little bit about our story just quickly. And then I will um, talk about what I talked about last week, just give you those high points. And then I will go into the five things. I hope if I have time, uh, the five things that uh, I've learned. Um, in intermittent fasting there I've I've learned dozens if not hundreds of things in the last year both of practicing intermittent fasting as well as teaching intermittent fasting and uh, through my blog and through my course through my free webinar all the freebies that I have at my blog too Um, but just trying to really narrow it down to a few that are extremely uh, pertinent and that have been really really important to me. So first of all, uh, my husband and I started one year ago. I started one month ahead of you, ahead of him. And many of you have heard our story about how uh, he was unable to ballroom dance anymore. And that is actually the point at which he became an intermittent faster with me um, because we both love to dance. And uh, his, his uh, the weight on his knees was just way, way too much. So um, he has gone from a 48 to a 38 and from a 2X to large. In his shirts um, I went from a loose 14 tight 12 to a loose 10 I have my next goal pants up I teach about that in several places also the importance of having uh, different metrics for you in your weight loss journey so I teach that at the blog and um, on the page group as well um, and uh, he has lost 85 pounds I have lost 23 he has 26 remaining and I have um, 17 remaining so getting very very close to our goals really excited about that so our immediate goals as I talked about last week is to get hubby back to the why he started a new business or expanded our current business and now he teaches we do private teaching and he teaches day and night day and night day and night uh, in building up this new business And, and also, um, extending the old business. And so because of that, he has not been able to go work out. So that's one of our immediate goals is over this holiday break. And we already started that yesterday. I was really excited. Uh, he was done teaching like Friday at six and Saturday morning, right away, we went down to the Y and worked out together. So, uh, I'm continuing my workout schedule. Uh, some of you might've known that I set a goal, um, at Thanksgiving to work out, um, Uh, 40 different times at 45 to 60 minutes of a workout and most of that for me is classes because I do a lot better with classes I'm a teacher I like to be taught uh, which is one reason why I love what I do (laughs) everywhere because I either I'm always being taught or teaching that's like my entire life every single moment of every day so that's one reason why I love what I do both with intermittent fasting as well as with the books I've written as well as with the classes that I teach locally Um, But uh, I did set that goal was from Thanksgiving to January 1st Um, Unless something really odd happens and I don't get a few more workouts in I will have made my goal of 40 workouts from Thanksgiving to January 1st, so that was really important to me because of what I teach, um, and I think I have a link to it, the Calories In, Calories Out game, what I have learned and what I teach there in that free video series about muscle gain and what it does to your metabolism and so forth. So I knew that I was going to be having treats over the holiday season. And um, you know we can either throw in the towel at that point and say, oh, well, there's no reason to even try, or we can do some workarounds. And one of my workarounds, was that I was going to work out strength training and toning 40 times throughout the six-week period so that regardless of what was happening with with my food, I mean, I'm still fasting, obviously, but uh, we definitely make different choices on holidays than we do for daily fare. So uh, that was one of my goals, and I was really excited to meet that goal. So I'm going to continue with that over the next, what is it now? It's the 23rd one of my kids' birthdays, and um, lots of winter birthdays around here, (laughs) and um, see, so I guess that's eight more days, so I will definitely work out seven of the eight days, Um, depends on what the weather's like on Christmas Day, because the Y is not open on Christmas Day, so anyway, but um, just, it's one of the things that I've learned is how to make that a habit, so I'm going to be talking about that in just a little bit, Um, not to gain over the holidays is a big goal, we gained a little on our Disney trip, lost it immediately. Uh, within three days I had lost anything that I gained, uh, during a 10 day all inclusive Disney trip. So I was really happy about that. So, um, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to lose pounds, definitely still losing inches with my workouts, but just trying to maintain during the holidays and be reasonable and realistic and, um, and keep my, uh, hormones, and all of those things in balance to the point where food doesn't control me, as I talked about last week, So, and continuing to average 18-hour fast, and so I said our long-term goals is for my husband to lose 25 more pounds, me to lose 17, his eventual goal is a 36 and medium, mine is an 8 and medium, but who knows, with uh, the recompositioning that happens with intermittent fasting, I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't get down to a 6. even after I lost to my goal weight. Uh, Just with recompositioning through intermittent fasting, um, the human growth hormone that allows you to build muscle, exercising and all that, Um, I'm anxious to see where that takes me. That's going to be super exciting to me. It's already exciting uh, right now. I'm starting to love shopping again, and I hated shopping forever. So that has been really fun. Control, Continue to control our eating window and keep learning how to reduce cravings and appetite more and more. And as I learn something, I will bring it to you um, as, as, as soon as I process it enough to be able to teach it well. So what I do is I research and study two hours every day. And then I just keep accumulating this knowledge until I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk at length about sleep. I'm ready to talk at length about leptin. I'm ready to talk at length about ghrelin. And then I kind of, to, then I'm ready to bring it to you, right? So, yeah, I teach, learn, and then teach. That's what I'm all about. So, last week's episode, I talked about um, lessons that I learned. The four that I talked about so far um, in episode number 36. One is too much food, too many calories. That I was in the last three years, especially trying to do different diet protocols. So trying to, um, you know, control carbohydrates. Trying to go keto. Trying to separate carbs and fats. Trying to, uh, and I even had my blog as a low carb blog. Many of you maybe started out um, with my blog. I've since lost (laughs) some of those people (laughs) since I'm not so strict about. Low carb eating, you know, my blog has changed from a a strictly low carb blog to an intermittent fasting blog. Um, But what I was doing for all of those years is that I was focusing on food manipulation, so to speak. And so, um, you know, if I could make it low carb enough, I could eat it. If I could make it low sugar enough, I could eat it. You know, if I could make it with these ingredients. I could eat it, but not these, and not these, and not these. And I realized I really didn't lose very much weight, maybe a half a pound a month during that time, even though you know I was teaching how to do it, and I was working hard at it, and I understood the process really, really well. I've had a lot of low-carbers contact me and say, your recipes, you just really teach us something about how to low-carb, and how to use these alternate flours, and how to use the alternate sweeteners, and things that, that is hard to learn other places, because I really did have a good handle on it, but it wasn't working, and I realized it was because everything was about the different foods, and how they were fitting in, and and it, it wasn't like the whole big picture. And now with my research and I've come to learn that the number one thing that we can do for our weight, our health, all of our markers, all of our health markers, our longevity, anti-aging, what the number one thing we can do for all of those things is to eat 30% fewer calories, 30% less food across the board. So yes. People on keto have tremendous results. Vegans have tremendous results. Vegetarians have tremendous results. You know, low-fat, high, low-carb, has low-fat, they all have tremendous results, and they all have research studies associated with them proving those results. And they have people, faces behind the protocols proving those results. But across the board, the one thing that is agreed upon all the time, and the one thing that all of those things have in common is that they reduce our entire food load by 30%. And that's one reason why intermittent fasting is so effective because besides also you know getting us into fat burning, getting us into that ketosis state while we're fasting, besides that, we are also having this boundary in place that causes us to not consume so much And so that is just something that has been really enlightening to me. I still have low-carb recipes at my blog. I still put sugar-free recipes up all the time. I don't necessarily do the low-carb low approach as much, um, but I do still have low-carb recipes there. And I especially enjoy many low-sugar or no-sugar foods because I know what sugar does to the dopamine spike in my head that causes me to overeat. So it's for a different reason. Right, but it's, they're still there. So it's not that I am anti any of those diets at all. As a matter of fact, they all work as long as you can adhere. That was another one thing I talked about. So the second thing is I talked about I can control food now. Food doesn't have to control me. And this comes with a process. It comes through a process of balancing, balancing your blood sugars, lowering your insulin releases, having less insulin spiked all the time. It comes with lower uh, training ghrelin, your hunger hormone. It comes with being uh, doing certain things that cause you to hear leptin signals. So all of these things come into play through the process of intermittent fasting and many other things that I teach in my calories in, calories out game, as well as in my webinar, uh, three webinars uh, in the next 10 days, free ones that you can come on and learn more and also in my course uh, for one month. But I learned that I can control food that food doesn't have to control me The next thing that I learned is that overweight is not always our fault And that's one reason why I made the calories in calories out game Because those of us who've been overweight our whole lives and my husband and I were obese for 30 years So, you know, we we weren't just overweight. We were obese. I was um Uh, hundred pounds overweight. he was 120 pounds 130 pounds overweight for a number of years so and one of the things that we start to feel uh, in that overweight process is that I am just a food failure I'm just a slob I'm just overweight I just I'm just indulgent I'm just a glutton I'm just a pig you know we, we start to believe these things and that is one reason, like I said, that I created this Calories In, Calories Out game because there are so many things that affect overweight. And many of the things that over affect overweight are not even our faults. And yet we're sitting here thinking these terrible thoughts about ourselves all the time, which increases cortisol as we think these bad thoughts. That increases cortisol, and that also causes us to hold on to weight more. So it's just been eye-opening. I was just like, wow. You know, and you've heard me talk about this before, how I had this, like, tremendous control. People wanted to be me when it came to organization and, um, and, and setting up my homeschool and uh, homeschooling seven children and child training and uh, household management and things like this. But I didn't understand why diet and exercise eluded me. It's because you don't necessarily have to have all these hormones in balance to be able to make a good schedule or to be able to um, be organized. But you do have to in order to achieve weight management. And I didn't know it. So overweight is not always our fault. And I'm talking about what I talked about last week. I just teach too much, I can't stop. All right, and the last one is sustainability is everything. And I'm not gonna talk about that anymore except to say every weight loss mechanism will work. But what you can adhere to and what you can stay on is the one that really works and the one that will take you through lifelong weight management as opposed to trying this stopping, trying something else stopping, and so forth. All right, so let's get into this week's What I Have Learned. What I have learned, intermittent fasting is best for me for adherence because of the short-term deprivation aspect. Most people know that they really can't do a type of thing where they're going to say, I'll never have pizza, I'll never have birthday cake again, I'll never go out to a steakhouse and have a baked potato with butter, I will never do those things again. Most of us, deep within us, when we make these pronouncements, we know deep within us that we really won't do that. So when we go on an all-or-nothing eating protocol, We are setting ourselves up for failure because right at the beginning, we are saying, the minute I don't do this, I did not succeed. And so the problem with that is anything that we're going to say, I will never, or this protocol doesn't allow it, I don't eat that anymore, I would never eat this, I would never eat that, I would never do this, I would never do that, then the minute we do it, we have failed because we already said that we won't do that anymore, whatever it is. And um, for all of us throughout our diet history, not adhering equals failure. Non-adherence to us in these rigid protocols, non-adherence equals failures. These failures build up and cause us to give up. Uh, Cheat days are often something that we implement when we're on these to try to appease those never, won't ever, can't, absolutely not uh, mindsets. So we instead adopt the cheat day protocol and we think that that's going to help us because I can get through this whole, um, this whole weight protocol, this whole thing that I'm trying to do, I can get through it. Because Saturday I'm having a cheat day, and it seems good for adherence. Because after all, if we can't adhere to something, we will not succeed. The problem with that is that um, cheat days often lead way to, first of all, into way too many calories. I had cheat days a lot, <laughs> and the problem with it is um, is that we don't um, we. Uh, sorry, I keep on getting uh, confused here. Okay, uh, that we have too many calories for the week when we have a cheat day. So we might be, you know, let's suppose we can have 2,000 calories a day, which that's way more than I can have or most women can have, but let's say that we can have 2,000 calories a day and be at our goal weight. So suppose we went away 140, 2,000 calories will maintain that. It won't, but suppose it would. And then we go, we had, we do that six days, and we do great, and we maintain that, but we have a cheat day in which we eat 5,000 calories, because after all, it's a cheat day, right, and especially for intermittent fasting, we go off of fasting, so we, you know, three meals, we eat snacks, and so forth, and we're up to 5,000, without doing the math on the board and everything <laughs> with you, which I could, because I do do basic math, even though I'm language lady, but I can do basic, and this is kind of basic, but you take that 5,000 minus 2,000, that leaves you with 3,000. You divide 3,000 across seven days, and that is 430 or something like that in my head, uh, calories more each day than what we need to sustain. You see why cheat days often do not work? They just yield too many calories. The other thing that a cheat day does, not a cheat meal or not not a planned indulgence, not a planned treat, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about like, full-on, we have to call it a cheat because it's out of our strict regiment, okay? We have to call it cheat because we're cheating from what we said we were going to do. Um, But it also initiates all the craving mechanisms. When we've done that for a whole day, out of control, and we just truly just do not watch at all, we don't even care, we're just going to eat everything because tomorrow we have to be strict again. So when we do that, We initiate all of the craving mechanisms, the blood sugar, the insulin high, continually the dopamine spikes, and more. So, um, this is why I say that IF is best for me for adherence because of the short term deprivation aspect. I like to say that it is a short term sacrifice for long term success. So, what that means is that we're going to succeed over the long term by just having this daily, daily sacrifice. And it's a different mindset and it was so doable, which is why so many people can adhere to intermittent fasting when they failed in so many other protocols before. Now there are other things coming into play that cause people with intermittent fasting to be able to adhere. One thing is that when you are without food, your body will go into ketosis. So when you don't eat, you'll go into ketosis, you'll use your body fat, and everything is calmed down during your fast. So you have a sense of control during that sacrificial period of time that you would only have through some strict, strict, strict regimen at eating. But you actually have that feeling of control the whole time you're fasting. Now, while I personally, and my husband definitely, uh, we eat better now than we ever did whenever we used a strict eating protocol. Way, way better. I mean, way fewer calories to begin with. I mean, just seriously, stop with all the cream cheese and coconut oil. I mean, unless you are Truly keto, you can't get by with that much fat um, and lose weight. You would have to really, really uh, get your macro configuration perfect. And that's why people in keto can do that. But people who try to keto or kind of keto end up where I ended up and where a lot of people end up when we are trying to do those types of foods, but we're not really doing keto. So we're having way, way too many calories. So, anyway, I eat better than I ever did. Um, while I do eat better than I ever did in the other protocols, knowing that when I open my eating window, I truly can't eat anything I want. Now, I don't eat anything I want. I have so much food control that is so different than before. And I, you know, try to open my window with something healthy. I have, you know, we have a short window of time, so we have to be sure we get our vitamins in, our our, um, vegetables, our fruits, and things like that. So, while I can eat whatever I want, I don't necessarily do that except for special occasions. Maybe a couple times a week, you know, but generally speaking, it's not a problem for me to eat healthier foods during my eating window. Um, But knowing that we could eat whatever we want makes uh, IF adherence uh, the most doable thing I've ever done. Okay, balanced blood sugar, lowered insulin spikes trained ghrelin, hearing leptin better, all of these things work together to cause me to make better choices. So fasting is doing these things for me. And I talk about it all the time. I say, you know, that fasting is making our bodies do for us what we have not been able to do ourselves. Finally, fasting is a mechanism whereby our bodies work for us rather than against us. And it's all of these things in balance that cause us to have better food choices. And and so it's it's a really cool thing because what we've tried with human willpower, not understanding all the mechanisms that we were doing to cause us to not eat well, we didn't know that by eating 10 times a day, we were causing us never to be able to have control over our food because constant, constant, constant blood sugar spikes, just constant, uh, all of that happening all the time causes us to crave. And so now that we're intermittent fasting, we have control that we didn't know we had. So this, uh, what I've learned is that IF is best for me for adherence, the ability to stay on track because of the short-term deprivation aspect, right? I'm not trying to be a perfect food eater until my cheat day. I'm not trying, I'm not doing a never, 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 no, not ever. And it just is different. It makes you feel different. It makes you look at things differently. And then once you get all these controls in place that your body is doing for you, your food choices automatically change too. And that's very, very cool because I never, ever would have chosen to eat salad and apples every day. Never in my other protocols. So, in fact, I would have had to have not eaten the apples because apples have carbs. Uh, I would have, you know, said I needed to or I should or I'll make myself eat salad every day. But it wasn't, it didn't happen naturally. Never. It was always a chore. All right. So, the next thing that I've learned is that intermittent fasting brings more freedom than any other eating approach I've ever used. Now, there are so many freedoms associated with intermittent fasting. Of course, we have all the freedoms from our bodies working against us, which I've described just now and then last in last week's episode, plus everywhere I talk. Um, but we have those freedoms, but we also have a lot of freedoms that people do not necessarily think about and freedoms that no other protocol gives you because most diet protocols for example, I have a course, and with the discounts, you can get the course for like 69 bucks for a month of intermittent fasting teaching. And you can get all the freebies that you want, and you can learn a ton. You don't have to buy the course. But for the example, the course is 69 bucks for one month to learn how to do everything with intermittent fasting. I spent more than that every week, more than that one month, one-time fee, every single week on specialty foods before intermittent fasting. I mean, that was just for me, too, because nobody else would eat what I ate (laughs) because they didn't like, you know, no grain and uh, no sugar and no and all these things that were not not what they were used to. Um, Now, it's no big deal. We just eat fruits and vegetables and meats because that's what our bodies need. Anyway, we don't have to worry about all the specialty foods. Um, But I spent way more than than one month of the course which you only have to do it once and then you're done forever and ever I spent more than that every single week on specialty foods that is a huge financial freedom huge financial freedom I used to have Amazon orders that were I'm embarrassed now when I look back now part of it was to test recipes for my blog and I still use pure it's still my sweetener of choice it's got how it's got no it's a erythritol stevia blend And it's, uh, I use half as much as you do for sugar. Um, You know, it's not that I've totally departed from eating healthier treats. I do make healthier treats, but generally speaking, we just have a lot fewer treats. We just don't need treats like we used to when we were on those diets, especially when you have special diets, you have to have special foods and they cost special money. (laughs) And it breaks my heart to see people. I see families putting enormous amounts of money into specialty foods for specialty diets for their for the mom of the family when the when the when everybody needs has needs but all this money is going into specialty foods and um you know i and of course we can do it everywhere we can do it with gym members you know we can put so much money into trying to achieve our weight management goals you know that other things that need our financials will suffer So that is why I say intermittent fasting is huge for financial freedom because not only do we not spend anything on specialty foods and things like that, we also uh, do not, we also just eat way less than we ever did before. I told you that 30% across the board, you know, just way, way, way less foods and way less um, like complicated foods. You know, it's it's usually just vegetables, maybe a potato, maybe not a potato, maybe some sprouted bread, meat. It's just, and especially the more I learn about the brain connection to overeating, and the more I learn about the have too many food choices and too many complicated foods can really, really trigger you to want more and more and more of foods. Anyway, that's another day, another subject for another day, but. Financial freedom has been huge with intermittent fasting. The next one is uh, food freedom in general. Just the ability to, you know, hey, kids call, they wanna go out, a couple of the kids call, they wanna go out tonight, okay, we'll just move our eating window to later, we'll have a, some apples or um, salad or something this afternoon and then we'll go out with the kids tonight. And it's its not, its it's just food freedom that was never there before. If one of the kids called and said they wanted to go out prior to this, I would have spent time that afternoon preparing my bag to go with me to eat my specialty foods whenever I was out with the kids. And, you know, tortilla chips had to be substituted. Bread had to be substituted. Roll had to be substituted. Potato had to be substituted. I, I mean, it was just bizarre. Now that I look back and think about how constraining those those food things were, and It's not that we eat bad. We don't eat bad. We eat great now. It's just that it was, I was so boxed into these foods just like this. These are going to be the magic things that are going to cause me to lose weight. Anyway, food freedom is huge work, kitchen, freezer, storage, shopping freedom. (laughs) All right, that, I'm loving that all together. But again, with that, with that whole, um, you know, expense with food as well as with the specialty foods and all that is it just comes a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of resources that are needed for all the specialty foods. Financial freedom I already mentioned that. Um, you know, my husband and I, you're empty nesters, so it is different. It's way different for us. And I'm not saying that other people are going to do the same thing because you can't when you're feeding kids. But we you know we'll go to the store and we'll get our meats and we'll get our veggies. We'll get our fruits. You know, how many, what, do we need any frozen veggies? No, just get all fresh this week. We have some frozen. And maybe a bag of Skinny Pop and maybe some cheese and maybe a jar of marinara, maybe not. It's just so simple. And it's simplified in part because there are only two of us. But it's also simplified because we're not having elaborate food uh, meals and snacks and things like that. Very simple. And we also eat fewer times each day, right, snack, entree, and dessert. And we also eat less food overall. Um, and then the last one, uh, the time freedom is huge. I mentioned that a lot. <laughs> time is very important to me. So I don't want to, you know, spend time on things that are not necessary. So what's good for our family is what I want to spend time on. And then the trash resource freedom. I um, I sound really old. <laughs> I know I sound really old, but when you start to have grown kids, all of our kids are grown, 20 to 35 years of age, all seven of them. And then they have six uh kids in love. So thirteen of them. And I'm getting ready to have our fourth grandbaby next month and our fifth grandbaby a couple months after that. And I really I really just care about things differently than I used to. It's like You know, it used to be kind of a fun, I don't know, fun, but it used to be, we had this thing where we would always guess how many trash cans we were going to have out that week because we had a lot of trash. We had a lot of kids and they were home all the time for 32 years. They never left. And um, so, but now I'm like, I don't want to make so much trash. I don't, and I know I sound old here, but at any rate, resources, resource freedom, resource freedom. Not so much packaging, not so much junk, not so much trash, not so much food thrown away. freedom. Um, it brings me so much freedom. Can you tell I really like it? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna move on. <laughs> what I've learned sleep is an important aspect of weight management. Now, I've been a sleeper for a long time um, because I just knew how it affected me, and I have my kids with me, like i mentioned twenty four seven for thirty two years. I went home school for thirty two years so I didn't really have the option i didn't i didn't like how I felt when I didn't sleep I didn't like my response to my kids and I just learned early on to really guard my sleep i've always I've always had insomnia prior to healthy supplementation a few years ago, and so because of that i would Set my time when I would be ready to fall asleep. I would, when I thought I was going to fall asleep, I would count up to eight hours, and that's what time I would get up. My husband would get up before that and get the kids started on their school and stuff, and then go to work. And then I would get up after I slept my eight hours. I know it sounds like a luxury that few people can afford, but my husband was gone 13 hours. 12 13 hours every single day so I had 12 or 13 hours and for a number of years no internet nothing no family close by 12 or 13 hours every day with kids by myself and so I guarded my sleep greatly and I always made sure I slept those eight hours but I could never fall asleep at night I always had terrible insomnia which made my day kind of start a little later with with the kids the next morning but I did always guard that sleep um, and he would get the older kids going. So that was okay. And our little kids were sleep trained. So that was fine too. So, um, but now that I have been learning so much about weight management, um, I didn't realize the effect that that, even though I was sleeping eight hours, I didn't know the effect that that insomnia was having on me. Um, and so now I'm just like guarding, guarding, guarding sleep. And when I'm getting ready to go to sleep at night, I, if I can't fall asleep, I will use melatonin and I teach about that a couple of few other places as well, um, in the course and in the, um, calories in calories out game. Um, but if I cannot fall asleep, I, I say to myself, you need to go to sleep so you can burn more calories tomorrow. You need to go to sleep so you won't have so much hunger tomorrow. I mean, I don't just look at sleep as like this luxury that we get to do I look at it as being an integral part of my weight management now because it is so I'm just going to give you a few little things that I've learned but I have like pages and pages of uh, research and different things and I teach about it different places on at the blog and um, in the calories in calories out game especially um, as well as in the course but sleeping seven hours or more per night and you know it's it's a thing with moms that I think is kind of unfortunate and that is that We associate little sleep with martyrdom, with good parenting. Like, I shouldn't be able to get so much sleep. I never thought of that. I I slept eight hours at night, and I would take naps with my kids in the afternoons. I was like a real, real big, big sleeper, (laughs) okay? I was big on sleeping, and in part because I had that insomnia for 20 years. It was dreadful, but now that I know what I know, it's like, No martyrdom, moms. I just, you know, when I see people say three hours sleep again last night, guess I'll, you know, bring out the coffee or whatever on social media. I just want to say, no, 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 no. You need your sleep. You need to guard that. You know, you need to train your body to go to sleep. And uh, you need to... to, have the self-discipline. And this is a real problem right now for many people. And it would be for me too, because I used to stay up and work really late all the time before I learned all this stuff. But now that I know, I'm like, no, I'm not staying up late. It takes self-discipline to make ourselves say, I'm going to sleep at 1030 and getting up at 630. I am not staying up playing games on my phone. I'm not standing up watching Netflix until one in the morning. I am not, you know, and as moms, we have a tendency to think, well, this is the only time I get. But we don't know what we're doing to our bodies when we do that, right? We feel like we're rewarding ourselves by getting to have some free time after the kids go to bed. And in reality, it is really not rewarding ourselves to stay up, it's rewarding ourselves to go to sleep, so rewarding ourselves is seven or more hours per night of sleep. It results in so many things. But I'm going to give you a few here. The release of human growth hormone, which helps you create muscle, helps you burn calories. And human growth hormone is released in the deep, long sleep between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. at, the, at this peak. And so if we're just going to sleep like at one or two, then that's not, we're going we're to get that rhythm off and it's not going to be as pronounced for us. Seven hours or more sleep results in fewer cravings. Um, Some interesting uh, information that I'm studying right now about the brain, that uh, less sleep causes us to have lower inhibitions. And that's why when we're tired, we make bad decisions, we do stupid things, and we don't think things through. And one of those things that the lack of sleep will cause in our brain, and I'm not ready to teach about this entirely. I'm just going to give you a sneak peek because I don't know everything yet. Everything I want to know, <laughs> but one of the things that it does is it lowers our inhibitions, and in one of the one of the main areas it lowers our inhibitions in is food. We don't we are willing to take more risks when we have less sleep, and that is included in our uh, food choice and our food and our dieting risks. We're willing to just say, oh, blow it off, I'll do better tomorrow. Whereas with sleep, we have more focused thinking, and we are not so risky, and we have not have, do not have such lowered inhibitions towards food. How interesting is that? So we can see that sleep plays a part in our hormones, and also in our dopamine and our brain food connection so 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 cool and to think that all we have to do for this is sleep i mean how cool is that that's like my favorite thing of the of everything i've learned my favorite thing is that if i go to sleep i'm going to burn more calories if i go to sleep i'm going to have less hunger tomorrow if i go to sleep i'm going to have more human growth hormone which will help me when i exercise and i will also build more muscle which will help me burn more calories later huh and all i have to do is sleep Isn't that a great one? I love that one. So anyway, it provides a boost in metabolism. And this is the real kicker. Some research, and you know, the research is everywhere. I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. But uh, some research shows that uh, we can uh, burn up to 300 fewer calories the next day after we sleep under seven hours. I mean, 300 calories is significant. Let's take an 1,800-calorie diet, right, which most women can't even do Be on an 1,800-calorie diet uh, to maintain, like, 140 or 150 pounds. So an 1,800-calorie diet, 300 calories is one-sixth. So we're going to burn one-sixth fewer calories in the next day just because of sleep. Do you know what people do to burn 300 calories? They'll, They'll be on a bicycle, a treadmill, an elliptical for an hour. To burn what we can do just by sleeping. Yeah. Cool, huh? Okay. And way less stress hormone. Uh, Cortisol hormone uh, is higher when we don't sleep. When we sleep under seven hours, cortisol, the the stress hormone, is higher, and this causes hunger and cravings to be increased. Inadequate sleep has is repeatedly that's a good thing to know when you're doing your research, when you're studying these things. You want things that are repeated, replicated, repeatedly linked to obesity and insulin resistance. Uh, inadequate sleep is twenty four to thirty five percent increase in hunger. And inadequate sleep affects ghrelin and leptin. We talk about those in the Calories In, Calories Out game, as well as in the course. And one particular study, this was really interesting. It's always interesting when a study uses real people. And it's always interesting when a study um, uses, uh, like is in a metabolic ward, okay, where they are uh, not going by anecdotal or reported um, Data, so you know. No, I ate this when I really ate this because we. The research also shows that we we de- we uh, underreport calories, we uh, overreport number of hours we go without food like dramatically, <laughs> dramatically like enough to totally skew studies that are not done in metabolic wards. Um, it's just almost impossible to deal with humans outside of a facility. <laughs> Okay. So anyway, one study showed that half the fat loss. One study showed that in a metabolic ward, women fed the same diets but uh having inadequate one half of the group divided into one of the groups had inadequate sleep uh compared to the other one. And they had the same caloric intake and the study the group who slept the right amount, I which I don't know that exact amount, but repeatedly, it says seven to nine hours, seven to nine hours on all the data. Um, But the same exact caloric intake, the group who slept more than seven hours, um, the group who didn't sleep had half the fat loss of the group that did. And they were fed the exact same diet and it was controlled. Um, Like I said, it wasn't reported. So how cool is that? All right, the last thing um, for today as to what I've learned is I can make working out a part of my daily life. And I talked about this before earlier in this video and I've talked about it so many times over and over because it, you start to think when you do something for as long as i parented and you know, I've parented for 36 years next week, um, I, my oldest will be 36 and, um, my, and I homeschool for 32 years. When you do something for that long and you feel like, you know, hmm, I did a pretty good job at this. I gave it my all for three decades, you know, and and not that there weren't mistakes along the way and there aren't regrets, not that at all. But just after three decades, you start to get better at things and you start to do, you know, do things more the way you should have done them to begin with and all those good things. But in all of that, I could not consistently work out and consistently change my eating. And um, so that always eluded me. And it was always a mystery to me because I did enough self-development, all of those things throughout my parenting, homeschooling. I mean, my husband and I, we listened to uh, marriage tapes and relationships cassettes on our honeymoon, I mean, we were in constant self-development mode, parenting, marriage, homeschooling, you know, all the time. That was what we did. What I do now with intermittent fasting and how to teach, I how to teach uh, language arts and writing and how to write the books that I write. I did for 30 years with parenting and homeschooling and marriage. So I never understood the whole mechanism behind that and what in the world is wrong with me that I can't get control of myself right but now part of it is that the success that you have in daily intermittent fasting because it is a daily goal with a daily success that's met daily goal met it daily goal met it I think that there, and I really want to examine that some more. And I don't really hear people teach about that very much. I would like to hear somebody like um, you know, like Mel Robbins or Tony Robbins or or um Michael Hyatt or somebody talk about or the habits guy, the atomic habits. Oh, I'd love to hear him talk about that. Talk about why intermittent fasting breeds success and then why and how that carries over. You know, we have this basis of success, right? So we can have a small base of success or we can have a large base of success. And usually in dieting, we have a small base of success because we never keep on expanding it because we give up, because we can't maintain it, we can't sustain it, we can't adhere to it over a long, long, long period of time. But with intermittent fasting, we build our base, we build our base, and it keeps on growing and growing and growing. And then this success carries over to other success. And if you study and you listen to TED Talks, like I do all the time, I'm addicted to TED Talks, about success and things, it is a phenomenon that happens. But you have to have this base that keeps growing So that you can keep building on that success. And if you don't have that base of success, then you can't keep building on it. So I know, you know, you know, intellectually what I know about self-development and success and habits. um, I know, you know, that it's because intermittent fasting is able to be adhered to so well um, because it is a daily deprivation, but a daily victory, we don't have very many things in our lives that yield a daily victory. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's hard to um it's it's hard to have that sustainability in our lives in daily victories. And so I think, you know, that a big part of my fitness and exercise journey in the fact that in the last 6 months I've just been able to transition into what can only be described as a fitness person. <laughs> I mean, who knew? I, I tried, I was really into T-TAP, and I really do like T-TAP a lot. It was an exercise, it's an exercise protocol that you do at home with videos. Um, but I am, and I think Stacy's on here now, and she can understand this, and Linda, if you're on, you'll understand this too. We are, and Katie Amos, we are all type 1s. <laughs> And it's a, it's an inside joke anyway, but because we are type ones, we have to have excitement. (laughs) That's the only way we can describe us. We like fun. (laughs) And I always, you know, I thought Zumba was fun. Ballroom dancing is fun. You know, walking with a partner is fun. Um, but I never thought that exercising with, with free weights and bands and, um, exercise balls and mats and things like that would be fun so i always just you know dismissed it there are a number of reasons why i never made my goals as a fitness person but the only thing i can can and and with t-tap i would do do it off and on but i would get bored after a while and stop also because t-tap is very 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 specific and um you you need to be attentive to details, and sometimes I'm not as attentive to details as I needed to be with t To get results, you really have to have uh, muscle control, and you have to learn the process. It's very cool, very, very cool process. But, you know, I want to go dance Zumba, you know, how I just want fun. So anyway, so I know that it's because, um, you know, that intermittent fasting has given me a basis of success, and that has just carried over to where I started going to water classes and then it got cold and I just said, I'm not giving up. And I went to, um, land classes and I started going to land classes about two months ago. And now I, I meet my fitness goals all the time without even trying that hard anymore. And it used to be such a struggle. I made charts. I made graphs. I had accountability partners. I, I, I had a a T-tap trainer that I met online with and she was very, very good. Um, but it is, I know it's a combination of things, but I just feel like intermittent fasting has given me that daily success that I was able to carry over to, um, to, uh, exercise. Also, the more that I've researched exercise and, uh, understand the future benefits of building muscle on metabolism, again, that's in the calories in calories out game, uh, that I am a, um, you know, like, Efficiency expert wannabe. So the fact that if I build muscle today, now that I know about building muscle, I know about protein, I know about building muscle. Now that I know that if I build muscle today, I'm going to burn more calories down the road. If I build muscle today, I'm going to look different down the road. If I build muscle today, I'm going to wear a smaller size down the road. That's a lot of bang for your buck, and I like a lot of bang for my buck. (laughs) So now I am really into strength training and um, and toning. So uh now I look at my schedule and I don't say oh I can't work out here, I can't work out there, I won't have time here. Instead I'm like it's got to work. I've got to make it work here. I've got to make it work there, you know, and we all have, you know, hard schedules that are very difficult to work around. So um So, and going to class has also been helpful. And that is just like we've talked about in my intermittent fasting course, accountability is key. And I think that was really helpful, even though they're not waiting for me to come to class or anything. Just there's a certain time that it starts. You need to be there by the time it starts, you know, get your equipment ready and all that. So, it's been really, really helpful. It has proven to me more than ever before that when you believe something works, or you believe something is effective, you believe something benefits you, you are likely to do it. Exercise and just staying on intermittent fasting. You have to believe. I talk a lot about homeschooling and raising children, but I look back and I had to believe that if I did these things, my children would become good readers. Otherwise, why would I do those things every day? They're not easy. But I did them because I had the belief that this would yield this outcome. And the same thing is true with intermittent fasting, and the same thing is true with fitness. And I think that that's a part of it, too, because I think before, I thought if I do T-tap, I might uh, it look like this. If I jog, oh, I hate jogging. If I go to Zumba, I might that might help me burn calories. If I would get on an exercise bike, that might help me burn calories. If I dance, that might help me. And I don't think that I really had a focus as to, I believe that if I build muscle, this will happen. And now that I know that and I understand the mechanisms behind it, I want to do it all the time. I want that down the road. I want that big bang for my buck. So I'm able to stick with it. I believe that strength training and toning makes a difference. So I'm able to stick with it. So I just feel like um, intermittent fasting built that basis for me. And then everything else, you know, has come together to make me a fitness person. I'm a fitness person. Donna Rich. I'm a fitness person. Yeah, sometimes I'm even amazed too. So anyway, <laughs> and I don't dread it. I don't mind it. I don't try to get out of it, it's just really, really cool. So yeah, these are the next things that I have learned through intermittent fasting. So many cool things that I have learned. And I'll talk about research another time because my my information about research and really just trying to hone in on um, how do you know what to believe in research? And Stacy, I think, is still on here, and she was actually debated against my kids in speech and debate. So um, she isn't going to know exactly what I'm talking about here. And that is one of the things that I see that I want to learn more about so that I can teach it to you is how to figure out which research is accurate. Right? How do you figure that out? And, and as Stacy and I both will tell you, it begins with, defining terms and I see that that's one thing that happens in research a lot the terms are not defined like the the uh the outcome will they'll say you know research shows that you know carbohydrates um cause you not to cut that low carb that going uh, let me give you an example that going low carb causes you to lose more weight than going low fat Right then, you read through the whole study, and the uh, the real difference is that they were eating um, the low fat people were eating all processed foods. Then you're no longer defining your terms. Your terms have got to be low carb real, low fat real, right? It can't be low carb real, low fat processed. And so it's it's uh, it, and reading between the lines on research has really really been tricky to me and as a reading teacher that's my, my master's work as a reading specialist and a former debate debate and speech coach and we still do teach speech and debate in Fort Wayne Indiana it's like wow We really, really need to learn how to decipher research. So I'm going to bring that to you another time. I had it for today, but I'm still really working it out, and I'm running really late on time again. I knew when I had a 1,000 words in my outline, I was in trouble. So anyway, those are some more of the things that I have learned in my year of intermittent fasting. I really appreciate you watching and listening and um, your comments and emails and messages, and um, I hope that in 2019 I can help you in some small way to meet your health and fitness goals, your habit goals, your uh, consistency goals, your self-discipline, whatever it is that you want in your life in 2019 that that maybe I have, or language arts or writing or teaching, homeschooling, whatever, that uh, I have some impact on that maybe I will be able to help you sometime in the future. I would love to be able to help you in any way. Now, it is time for our commercial. So I'm going to switch from what I have learned Um, in the last year of intermittent fasting to today's product. So uh, you are welcome to hop off if you'd like. If you want to stay for the commercial, I do it at the very end so that people don't have to hear about it throughout. Um, But if people want to stay, they can. Because today I'm going to be talking about our brand new product called MetaBurn. So I'll let you hop off or hop on and I'm going to take a drink and then I'll get into it. All right, we just released Plexus' new product um, last week, called MetaBurn. And uh, those of you are familiar with the Plexus products, we have, I believe, maybe twenty now, plenty twenty all natural, plant-based products. So they're all from botanicals; they're all from plants. Even the sweetener in the Slim is plant-based. Even the coloring in this in the pink drink, the Slim, is plant-based. All. all plant-based natural products. Not very many. We don't have catalogs and catalogs and catalogs full. We have 20 research-based products, speaking of research. Um, So that is really cool too, to be able to see that. Uh, Today, the MetaBurn is the newest product, and it was just released last week. And um, generally speaking, MetaBurn stands for Metabolism. And burn, right? We talk a lot about metabolism in my groups and in my course and my uh, free products because uh, boosting metabolism is something that we all want. We all want to learn how to do that. We all want to do that through sleep. We want to do that through water. We want to do that through fasting. We want to do that through strength training. We want to do that through uh, human growth hormone release. We want to do that through um, protein which is a thermogenic food. Um, So we want to do everything we can for our metabolism, Um, especially because in our uh, society, the 21st century society, we actually um, have harmed our metabolisms very, very, very much through frequent low-calorie diets, um, through uh, bad sleep habits, through not drinking water, through... um, uh, Eating so many processed foods, drinking calories, a lot of things can have an effect on that. Um, but generally speaking, this new product, MetaBurn, contains seven botanical leaf, root, and seed extracts used to support fat burning and weight loss. It helps you melt stubborn body fat stored in the belly, hips, and thighs. It is, has mood enhancing ingredients that help lower cortisol levels, which is huge because we were not made for the type of, the type, the frequency, the type, and the extent of cortisol that we now have. We were made, you know, as hunter gatherers, um, whenever you believe you, we were created, <laughs> we were created to have cortisol. We were created to have cortisol so that we would be able to um, uh, have this cortisol released and run right chase chase down our dinner or whatever we were not created for continual um, moderate non-stop daily levels of high cortisol that's not how we were created and so because of that we have this cortisol Problem everywhere where we have way 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 too much cortisol that is released every single day as a result of our stressful lifestyles as a result of not sleeping enough stress stress uh, as a result of a stress, um, a continual stress we were created to have like a short-term stress and then be done with it and then short-term stress and be done with it and have it when we needed it not all the time. So the ingredients in this product help lower cortisol levels so that hunger, metabolism, mood, stress, and brain function are all at their peak. All right. So a little bit about the ingredients. Um, There are several ingredients, and I'm going to just focus on about five or six of them here, and um, then I will be posting some more information. You can learn more, um, uh, or you can contact me also if you'd like to order. All right. So the first one is... uh, this, um, I wrote down how, I wrote down the phonetic pronunciation of it. I've got to find my, my phonics here. I wrote it down so that I would pronounce it right. Okay, it is N-acetyl, N-acetyl L-tyrosine, N-acetyl L-tyrosine. And this is, um, L-tyrosine is uh, a um, um, amino acid. Okay, we have, I don't know, 17 amino acids or 22 or something that we need in our bodies. Um, but this N-acetyl, N-acet- let me look at my phonetic one again. N-acetyl, this N-acetyl L-tyrosine helps convert that L-tyrosine uh, that greatly reduces stress. So we are not, the problem isn't always that we don't have this amino acid. It's that it's not converted Um, Well, so this ingredient helps to convert that and it also helps the body produce thyroid hormone So this is uh, supposed to be our very very best thyroid product So I'm super excited about that very best thyroid and adrenal and so many people have issues with both of those things, especially women So I'm real really thrilled. Uh, I especially excited for one of my daughters who has PCOS for this product um then uh the next ingredient is ro- rhodiolo rosea um and it is an adaptogenic herb so an adaptogenic um is uh something that i did i you keep hearing about this you know uh what is that one that's always out there uh there's an adaptogenic i can't remember what it's called but it's a popular adaptogenic now and i didn't really know that much about adaptogenics um but what an adaptogenic herb does is that it does something for the body in this case, it reduces stress. It does something for the body without disrupting the body's biological function. So like when we take medications, we are like altering the body's function, and not that that's bad. People, I mean, people need medications. I'm not saying that if somebody's on an anti stress medication or an anti anxiety or, um, you know, something like that, that that's a bad thing. Um, but An adaptogenic, people often who want more natural products, they will try to use those because they try to have the same result without disrupting the body's uh, regular function. So it is an adaptogenic herb, this rhodiola, and it enhances the body's ability to burn fat, and it increases energy levels. The next ingredient is something that's not found in very many things, and I've been hearing that, like, if you just look it up research wise that there are so many studies on what this product, this ingredient does. It's called the grains of paradise and it is anti-inflammatory. And it's really interesting that this would come up right now because I've been studying brown fat and white fat and, uh, all these, um, uh, fitness people are talking about, you know, one of the only ways that you can really truly get to fat, brown fat, which isn't the only way, because there are plenty of people who lose weight without doing this and who who lose their last bit of fat, including that last brown fat. Um, But I do hear these fitness people saying that one of the ways that you can reduce that brown fat at the end, they're talking about people who are getting, trying to get down to uh, specifically those who are like bodybuilders and uh, physique competitors and things, and they are using uh, like oh, cryogenic um tubs I can't I don't think I don't that's a word, but they're they're doing cold baths, they're going outside in the winter into a cold tub for twenty minutes. Uh, the polar bear plunge, those type of things. they are using cold extreme temperatures extreme cold in order to get to this brown fat so that's one way that you can get to brown fat but this grains grains of paradise is the only herb that's known to activate brown fat and uh, supposedly we have to activate brown fat in order to burn it it just isn't It isn't as easily burned as white fat. So most of the time when we're burning fat, we are burning white fat. Whereas in order to burn brown fat, sometimes it takes some extreme measures. And the cold temp thing is one way of doing it. And then these grains of paradise is, uh, to, to my knowledge, the only herb that is known to do it. Um, and this is a lot, lot of studies related. Like I mentioned before, there are a lot of studies related to just this pro- uh, ingredient alone, the grains of paradise. And one of them... Uh, was in a double-blind placebo study of women with very little weight to lose. And that's important to know because if you have a study, and here I am talking about studies again, I just can't get away from speech and debate. (laughs) But if you have a study um, that has very, very overweight women um, or overweight men, but very overweight individuals, you know, like they have, you know, 50 pounds to lose or whatever, you can almost do anything to them and make them lose weight. I mean, you start to think, You know, whenever I tried, I could lose weight. The question isn't whether I could lose it. The question was whether I would keep losing down to my goal and would I maintain, would I be able to uh, sustain that? But this study was done on women who were very close to their goal weight. They had very little weight to lose. So that's why it's a significant study. But anyway, it was a uh, double blind placebo study and uh, this grains of paradise was shown to greatly reduce their belly fat. Uh, even in women who didn't have much left to lose. All right, green tea extract uh, is another, this is in several of the Plexus products, and it is super high in antioxidants, and the amount in one capsule is equivalent to one cup of coffee. I've talked before about how I don't use coffee and tea, I use Accelerator, which is uh, another one of our thermal products, but now I'm getting ready actually to switch over to this product because it has the Accelerator and edge kind of put together, which are two different products that I love. So this is gonna kind of be those two put together, this um uh metaburn. But the green tea extract is a metabolism booster. And of course the caffeine also curbs appetite, um, and it's equivalent to one cup of less than one cup of coffee, 80 milligrams. Um, And then 5-HTP, which is uh, like a natural antidepressant. And this was also, I talked about this when I talked about Accelerator. It's also available in our Accelerator. But 5-HTP is another amino acid. I need to look up, learn more about these amino acids because I did not know much about them. Like L-tyrosine is one, uh, 5-HTP is one. It is produced by the body as a precursor to serotonin. So serotonin is what makes us feel good. Um, 5-HTP is a precursor to that and it converts as serotonin to the brain and That's why a lot of people go on 5-HTP if they want to try To do something natural before they go on antidepressants again not against antidepressants at all But I'm just telling you how some people use this natural product before they as a a step before they go on antidepressants they will do 5-HTP uh, because it is a mean, an amino acid that converts to serotonin that um, when you are depressed, you are not making enough of, oftentimes. Uh, you're not making enough serotonin, so you need 5-HTP to convert to serotonin. Um, you need this amino acid to do that, to release that hormone of serotonin. And a 5-HTP also helps with food and appetite control. And finally, uh, the last ingredient, uh, that I'm going to talk about today is L-theanine, which I'm so excited about. I mentioned before that I was on Accelerator, but I also wanted to take Edge. I wanted to take Edge because it had this L-theanine and some other um, uh, other ingredients that were really appealing to me for cognitive function and for brain health and for focus and attention and um, like, kind of like... Um, uh, EDD for adults you know I get I have my brain goes really really fast and sometimes I have trouble slowing it down I know you're shocked by that um, but uh, I could not take the uh, the edge because I was taking accelerator and I have to limit my caffeine to two to what would be the equivalent to two cups of coffee a day people can take this new product with edge um, as long as because it will not uh, go over the recommended dose of four cups of coffee in a day but you wouldn't want to take two metaburns Two edges, and then drink coffee as well, because that would take you over four cups—the equivalent of four cups of coffee. I know many people drink more than four cups of coffee. I'm just saying what is recommended. Um, that's not—that's recommended not to go over four cups a day. All right. So this L-theanine, when combined with caffeine, which comes from the green tree green tea extract, uh, it helps with serotonin, it helps with memory, with outlook, with anxiety, and more. And the reason I loved Edge so much. Uh, that had this L-theanine in it, and why I'm so happy it's in this ingredient, is because it gives a super feeling of well-being. Just, I love (laughs) L-theanine. I just, I'm so, so excited that it's in this product, that I can take this product as a metabolism booster, helping with my middle, I'm still uh, disproportionate, you know, I can wear one size pants until I get to my belly kind of thing, and, and like now, like the pants I have on now, they fit great everywhere except my legs look bloony. My leg, pant legs look bloony because I'm smaller in my hips and thighs and rear than I am in my belly. So I'm super excited about this belly belly uh, approach, too, that this uh, product will also give. But now I can do the L-theanine and all the metabolism boosting at the same time. So that is our new product, Metaburn, and um, I'm happy to get you started with... Uh, Plexus Hunger Control or Plexus Gut, Plexus Slim Hunger Control or Plexus Slim Gut Health, either one, whichever one you would want to start with. And um, with this product, if you're interested in um, trying something new for 2019, love to see you in my Facebook group, in the blog, um, in my freebies that I pass out in my webinar uh, Thursday night this week, and then two nights next week as well. So uh, hopefully you are on my email list and you'll get the emails about when those are being held. Uh, free hour-long webinar and then my intermittent fasting course for January. I would love to help you start the new year out right. So thanks for joining me. It's been a pleasure.